happening now. We'd like to welcome our viewers from across North America and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room, episode 109 for October the 3rd, 2018. My name is Wes Fryer, and I'm looking a little more casual than usual, but hey, it's okay. Uh, sponsors are not existent, so it's, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, joining from Oklahoma City, where I'm the Director of Technology at the Cassidy School, and Jason Neifer is still on assignment, so I'm so excited to welcome Ty Campbell, who is joining us from Baltimore, and shout out to Beth Holland, who made the connection. So, Ty, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and thank you for uh, staying up late in Baltimore for us. Yeah, well, Wes, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, the invitation, and certainly we thank Beth as well for, for making the connection. Uh, excited to be here tonight and, and looking forward to just being a part of uh, this great podcast we have going on here. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, I've been an independent school technology director. This is my starting my fourth year. And uh, it has, I, I really, I don't know that I, I really imagined how much I would love it. Lots of challenges. In the last six weeks, I've been the only one on campus because my assistant tech director resigned to go on to uh, more, you know, more lucrative things at Tinker Air Force Base, and I'm really excited for him. But my assistant started on Monday, and so now it's the fire hose of, hey, let me help you learn all of the systems and, and everything that, that we do. So yeah, yeah. you've been in the independent school arena as a technology director, and what was your background before that? Yeah, so uh, this is now my sixth school year as a um, technology director in independent school, my sixth year back in independent school. Uh, I say back in only because I um, uh, attended an independent school for high school. Uh, that was my introduction to the independent school world, and it's been, you know, a fantastic experience. Uh, it was back then, back, you know, over 20 years ago, um, and was, you know, made such an impact on my life that I wanted to get back in there some way, shape, or form. Uh, before joining, um, uh, joining the independent school world, I spent uh, just over 10 years in corporate IT, uh, kind of working my way up, starting as a part-time help desk gig while I went to school. Um, the, and that part-time gig translated shortly afterwards to a full-time gig. And next thing you know, I was uh, kind of making my way up um, in, in corporate IT and I uh, did that for a little over 10 years and then kind of realized I was, you know, I was doing all right, but I wasn't really feeling fulfilled. Um, and I felt the only way I could do that was through getting back into education. So a uh, wonderful opportunity uh, presented itself for me to get back in as a director of IT so I could check off the education box, check off the technology box, check off the, um, the positional aspirations of being a director. Uh, all in one shot, and it's have we had a couple bandwidth issues as we were starting the show, and I'm not actually sure as we as we often are. Uh, there was just a little bit of a blip there, so I don't know if that was my bandwidth or if that yeah, was you. Mine got a little funky too, so. Okay, I don't know. So my, uh, I was saying before the show, sometimes I'll restart the router. I think all the girls are off Netflix, so that's <laughs> usually the issue here. Um, well, that is great. Well, as I checked out, we'll, we'll go over at the end of the show, you know, uh, where where people can find us. Um, but we do have our show notes on edtechsr.com slash links. Our Google Doc is embedded there. 
Um, I, I see that you're on Twitter. And as I checked out your school, one of the things I loved and I actually tweeted was your faculty, um, you know, short videos. And that is that was that is so awesome. They're very professionally done. Um, previous to starting as the tech director, um, I had finished my doctorate and I went back in the classroom for a couple years and we had done just some very short. They're like three minute um, by getting our teachers to share a little bit about them professionally. You know, how did you become a, a teacher and why? I think we did something like, what do you do when you're not teaching? Kind of Marco Torres, a friend, has called that a B-side. So you see your A-side as a teacher, but, you know, what are you passionate about? Yep. I don't know, there's something else. But though, I love that because you you got a little window into, uh, you know, the personality and interests and, and whatever. And, and with a large faculty, you know, you learn stuff that you couldn't learn yeah. otherwise. So anyway, it was very yes. well done. I would guess your communications team's probably. Yeah. Shout out to Chris Blumberg, our communications director, who's just done a fantastic job with, with that kind of stuff and just making our, uh, making our teachers more, um, more reachable, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Leveraging the power of video. So well, I do see we've got a live viewer and I'm going to bet it's Peggy. Uh, but if you are joining us live, uh, we got a couple live viewers. Um, you can uh, join us in a chat, which is actually just on the side. So full disclosure, I've got my my wife's you know MacBook Air over there, and then I got my my little MacBook here because I can't I can't do that all together. Um, but it's a uh, but anyway on the chat it is Peggy. Hello Peggy. Um, well, I heard you were floating away in Arizona. My parents were telling me yesterday that Arizona had something like, you know, the most rain they've ever had before in a year already. So, and it's October. Um, so if you wanna, if you're viewing live, please feel free to uh, type in the chat. We'll give voice to any questions or comments that you might have. And actually we might start with uh, a topic that you put in at the bottom. Cause I saw this today when my, my phone went off during a meeting and it was the uh, the presidential emergency text alert. So were you expecting that? And what, what, what have you heard about uh, of that, because I guess we're saying it's more of a FEMA, perhaps, uh, than a presidential sent message right now. Yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was in the office with my team, and um, you see what it is, and I'd heard some reports about it before. I didn't realize there had been a set date and time for when it was actually going to be um, sent out, but. Um, you know, understanding after I read a bit more about it, seeing that's a FEMA-related um, message that's going to help more with disaster um, messaging and getting some important stuff out there. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it's used going forward. Um, I don't really special alert um, because it doesn't seem like the president is ever going to be the one sending messages out about it. Um, so I, I didn't understand it, but you know, if they if they can do it, I'm sure they, they have some good reason behind it. So we'll just have to wait and see. I, I did note a number of articles that I saw when I started looking into it this afternoon. We're all asking, how do I opt out? <laughs> right. And Peggy just put in the chat, you can't opt out. So. Right. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That That's a real interesting sign of the times. Because I know with Amber Alerts and things like that, you know, there, there are ways. We've had a lot of flooding, uh, lots of rain, man. And we're <clears throat> having a big construction project at school. So it's rolled it back a little bit. But I think starting Saturday, we're supposed to have four more days of rain. We, it's been crazy. Like my parents are in Kansas. We were up there for Labor Day. And I've never heard of this much rain. There were there was nine inches of rain oh that my fell God. basically overnight one night. That's like hurricane level, like you yeah. know, on the coast in Houston or something. 
And so um, were you guys affected actually by uh, hurricane stuff? Did that get that far? North? Uh, we, we did get some rain. We, we had some moments where we got a lot of rain um, over the last several months. Uh, some flooding in, in areas like Ellicott City, which has been historically known to have some pretty bad flooding. Um, so there, there was a lot of rain in a short amount of time. Uh, we got it a lot in spurts, so it was uh, it was definitely a challenging summer. Not in where I live, but certainly in other areas. Around. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, for emergency alert paging, uh, or or and even just text alerts, we uh, we've been using a. Let me make sure I get this right. Uh, I think it's called Black. It's not Blackboard. It's Black. What is it called? Is it Blackboard Connect? Blackboard Connect. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, <clears throat> that's been the more affordable way to do that. This summer, our big project was a voice over IP. We left the you know late '90s vintage uh, oh. Mitel phone system behind, <laughs> which probably could go down in history as one of the you know schools getting the best return on investment in that. Uh, phone oh system. yeah. But we went with Jive and Cisco phones, and then okay. Informacast with VoIP speakers. So we have about. Is that we've got about, um, I guess, 19 buildings that are that are occupied. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had essentially a, a speaker in pretty much every classroom, but those were all analog and you couldn't tell what was on and off and whatnot. Yeah. So anyway, that's been a big project getting that going. And we just did paging tests we, like week before last. Okay. So when we and it's pretty slick, we do it on the app. Um, you know, it's uh, a, a couple taps and then boom, that message is, is broadcast everywhere on a technical side. We had our, this is our, a voice VLAN and so mm -hmm. we're probably going to like lose half our viewers right now when I do <laughs> these acronyms, but, uh, this is the first multicast that we've turned on, on our network. Okay. And so with a live broadcast, that's different than recorded. And yeah. so anyway, there's stuff that we're still, you know, figuring out and working out because, uh, you know, anyway, this is this is new and the, the, the recorded pages are, are happening. But this made me think of Hawaii and a month, a few months back. Right. Maybe it was yeah. even the summer. They had that errant message that went out saying, you know, the rocket man is sending an ICBM <laughs> our way. And yeah. so um, we have some relatives that are there. And we've you know, I think I saw some Facebook posts by Amy uh, Burval. And anyway, that was a very, very stressful thing. So I'm yeah. sure FEMA is going to try to put things in place that, um, you know, prevent such, such things from happening. Are you involved with alert messaging and paging and all that kind of good stuff at your school? Or is, is yeah. how, how does that work? Yeah, so we're actually in the process of um, doing some evaluations for um, looking at other products that are um, doing the messaging. Uh, ultimately, we'd love to get to a place where we have, um, whether it's an app or a platform or whatever that can handle the messaging to our community, but that can also take care of the physical security things as well. So locking down our doors, um, sending out the alerts throughout our campus, sending out the text messages, doing the PA announcements. Um, so we're looking at some uh, products uh, right now that we're hoping will be able to get us to closer to that, awesome. um, that, that purple unicorn, if you will. Yeah, we just ordered a new, it's called an Algo, but it basically is the interface between our access control and the phones which will allow us to do that from the phone. And then with this Informacast product, uh, and there's actually, I was surprised, there's no additional charge. Uh, it will just connect it. And so it will send the same message to the phone system. So nice. we're not doing text messaging yet, but you know, probably by Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, if we send that alert, we gotta do a lockdown. 
that message gets broadcast to every speaker on campus yeah. and all the doors that are on access control. We don't have them all on there yet, but anyway, those will all lock down. So, and I think we're talking about having a button sort of like um, a bank teller would have, you yes. know, and then having that kind of a, of, of a way for them to initiate right. because uh, the phone, you know, requires dialing, waiting, a pin right. code, and, you know, the, the app is, is pretty, uh, pretty quick, but anyway, that's, you know, yeah. Hey, these are the days that we, we live in with exactly. school yeah. events and stuff. And so we're all yeah. very focused on security and safety and the way the technology hopefully can bring us yeah. better communication. Yeah. And it's interesting to see too, how um, technology is so much more involved in something like security where now security is more of a technology issue where in the past it was strictly more of an operational facilities type of conversation. So absolutely uh, that yeah. thing recently with everything that's been going on is, is certainly a change for a lot of schools and there's a lot of moving parts to that too right i mean yeah. that the the world of the app has sort of lowered our um or maybe it's raised our expectation i guess it's lowered you know we don't it shouldn't be that technical sometimes we're like why can't i just click yeah. this and to make it like that sometimes there's a lot that that goes on and that's part of what we've gotten an education about at our school and uh, it, it does, it adds layers to the kinds of things that you, you support, uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, the bells right on that and the, and the paging and yes. <laughs> lots of stuff that affects people's lives. If That's it's not right. Working as it should. So That's right. All right. Well, uh, there was a Microsoft event, but I, but I'm understanding you're not as much of, of the Microsoft fan, which is not me either. Although, you know, we, we support Microsoft do that stuff, oh. but there is a lot of Apple news with, with iOS 12. So I've got a few articles in there, um, one of them was just talking about the iOS 12 running faster on older um, screens. Yeah. I've used an iPhone since the beginning. I actually got to see Steve Jobs announce it in 2007. Oh, nice. uh, cousin and I were ma made a pilgrimage to Macworld, and I had just actually started working for AT&T. I worked for them for a couple years. Anyway, that just that just worked out. So it was only this last year for about nine months that I had a little affair with an Android phone before a trip to Egypt and that tied in with privacy and you know, these kind of concerns. So anyway, I am back to an iPhone, but it's an older model. I was excited to see about this running faster, but my battery has not been as great. So mm -hmm. uh, have you made the jump to iOS 12 and, and any, any thoughts about that? And also like at school, I guess, are you, you guys have an iPads or, or um, have you on a, on a technology standpoint, I guess, um, either made the, the decision to go or wait with, with iOS 12? Yeah, so um, on the personal side, I actually just made this. Um, iOS Max. Um, I've had the uh, 6S Plus for the last, well, I guess, three years now, um, which was good. I, I must say, I, I'd signed up uh, earlier this year to be on the iOS beta program, so I was able to use iOS 12 for the last several months. Um, and it was good, and it was definitely improvement um, on my older device, which I thought was pretty neat. But as you mentioned, you know, same thing for me, right? My battery was, was pretty shot, um, <laughs> so it wasn't lasting as long as a, um, it, you know, certainly a new phone could, but it was it was pretty noticeable difference when I started uh, fooling around with the beta, especially the later uh, versions of the beta. So I, I've, I've enjoyed that experience of just seeing some of the new features before they came out. Um, on the school side of things, uh, yeah, so we are largely a Mac school. We're not exclusively a Mac school. 
Um, we provide iPads to all of our students in grades um, kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, our middle school students in grades six through eight have to bring their own iPad. Um, and so that's up, that program has been up and running for about five or six years now. Uh, and so that's been pretty, pretty good. I just gave the clearance today that for folks to be able to upgrade to iOS 12. Um, we wanted to hold off on <laughs> doing that until, you know, make sure if there's a, any patches or anything that needs to roll out um, to do that before we uh, went forward. But I figure two weeks was a good enough time for them to work out any kinks and release any new patches they need to. So uh, that went well. And, for example, our middle school did some testing today that was strictly on, um, on the iPads, and that went uh, fairly well. Uh, so those types of things that, you know, for us, we want to make sure it's a smooth process. We want to make sure there's no disruption when it comes to the technology. Um, and uh, unlike some other uh, updates, like I think, if I remember correctly, iOS 11, the big up utilize in school. Uh, not so much in terms of major features that were coming from iOS 12. So uh, wasn't going to address. Right. You may go ahead and make a little adjustment on your bandwidth. I don't know if it's if it's at your end or, or if it's mine. Um, one of the things I've done is on the top of your Google Hangout, there's a, a bandwidth that looks like, a, you know, bars or whatever from uh, cellular. And I have mine just moved back to medium. I mean, I'm supposed to have plenty of. of yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know so. if you may try that because it may. I'm not sure. Peggy didn't. I asked Peggy about that, but hadn't hadn't heard. Um, I put in also to the to the uh, show notes an Ars Technica article. It says iOS 12 thoroughly reviewed from September the 17th. Yep. Uh, and of course, it seems like you know whenever we have the Apple events, we got all kinds of tech journalists and everything that just love it because there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. I guess yeah. for me, the main thing, and this is something we're, we'll we'll recognize Digital Citizenship Week at school and with our school psychologist. Um, I co-chair um, the team that, that talks about that. So we'll have a series of chapel talks coming up here in about three weeks. Nice. I think I'm going to do, uh, we will do uh, our first one that's going to focus on on screen time and health and balance. And so having, you know, that feedback um, as far as how much time you're, you're spending on your, your mm -hmm. apps and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to that myself, I've been more, you know, with our, with our, uh, well, both daughters, but more the freshman, the ninth grader. Um, we've used a tool called, uh, what is it? Go, is it Disney Go? Gosh, my brain is not maybe. After six weeks of being the only IT guy, sometimes <laughs> as well when I come home. Um, but let me see. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up on our digital citizenship website. Um, but it's a, it's a box that circle there you go circle by disney that's like a 99 dollar box that essentially works as a vpn and it installs an mdm on your your uh, kids devices so all their traffic right. goes through but it does give you a comprehensive whether they're on the laptop or, or device and so she loves youtube and you know produces move videos and has what 900 followers or or she's just you know she's she's done a lot of minecraft and whatnot but those yeah. hours can really rack up, you know, uh, especially in the summer. But yes. uh, where where are you as far as screen time? And is that is that an interest to, in terms of iOS twelve? And are you guys having conversations at school too, uh, kind of about the screen time health thing? Yeah, so um, I've actually used prior to um, starting with iOS twelve beta, I was using a program called Moment, 
um, on my iPad before, which was helping me. I was using on my on my iPad, but primarily on my iPhone, uh, just tracking the amount of time that I was spending on my phone, how much time I was spending in certain apps. And there, there's nothing more, um, uh, you know, disconcerting than just seeing the hours, seeing the numbers, seeing the actual data, right? You can tell yourself all you want, oh, I don't spend this much time doing X, Y, Z. And then you see a number and you realize, you know, that's the facts. So you can't argue with it, right? Uh, so it was, um, so I've been using that. And so to now have those features um, in uh, built into iOS 12, I think is fantastic. I've been able to put away the moment app and, and just see what uh, information is coming from there. And again, you, you can't argue with those facts. And certainly for our kids, we can't argue with that. Uh, they can't argue with that either. Uh, so I think that's been um, that's going to be a really nice feature uh, yeah. for for families uh, especially, and I think Apple realized that right. They they certainly were uh, dealing with a lot of flack over the last several months when you know parents there there was really nothing for parents when it came to good parent controls right. um, and and uh, talking about screen addiction and talking about health. Um, there there really wasn't much that Apple was doing and. Um, you know, there were some articles even sharing about the fact that Steve Jobs never let his kids use an iPad, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that, that's saying something. Right. You know? and, and I think that that's important. Um, certainly at our school, we uh, are diving this year into really tying in uh, technology use into our um, character education program. Uh, and this year we're partnering with a great organization called the Social Institute uh, that's based out of North Carolina. Uh, that uh, will be coming to our school and uh, working with our kids during the day on really building in positive social media use, positive technology use, uh, and, and really helping shine a light on that. I think with schools have spent a lot of time, and I think that's because you have a lot of adults who don't really feel comfortable with technology, uh, just saying, you know, no, this technology is bad, you know, Twitter is bad, social media is bad, and not giving our kids really an opportunity to understand the good side um, of that, uh, of technology usage. And so one of the things that the Social Institute really stresses is the positive uh, aspects of technology, giving our kids good examples to, to follow um, and, you know, and pointing that out and, and really helping uh, balance the, the message that we send uh, to our kids when it comes to technology. So they'll be visiting our campus this year and uh, we're really excited to have them. They're going to spend the day with our kids. They're going to spend an evening with our parents. Um, and, and we're really excited for what that's going to be like for us. Beth Holland, you knew I would love talking to Ty because that, <laughs> is, that right there is a gem. We have done a lot with a group, I guess, called FCD. That is a it's a uh, education program for drug and alcohol abuse prevention, but, you know, uh, trained school psychologists and counselors, you know, come on site, do uh, presentations, but also pretty intensive facilitated discussions with students alone, with parents alone, and then with parents and students. And so that has been a major deal. And so as we have looked at wellness and health more broadly, we uh, have recognized the importance of bringing digital citizenship into that. And go. we have just, that we have a new school psychologist, actually she just came from Washington DC, who I'm loving working with. Uh, and we have been just having this conversation because our advisory program currently, especially in our upper school, it, it hasn't 
it hasn't had a curriculum and it's, it's been very freewheeling. There's just, it's kind of been open to what advisors wanted to do. And a lot of that was free time in the middle division. We've had a little bit more focus and, and, um, and direction. So anyway, that is an opportunity, but a lot of teachers as well as parents feel very uncomfortable and just not in their element talking yeah. about those issues. And so what we've just been visiting about is that we probably need to have, you know, multi-tiered approach. And it's not just, um, you know, sharing a video and some questions and asking the teachers to, to talk to students about that and, and having chapel talks, but we, we need to find some group that can come in and probably facilitate that kind of deal. So I've yeah. I put a link to the Social Institute in our show notes. Actually, I added that and your uh, your app moment. And I had just seen that you talked to your geek of the week. So I didn't mean to like steal your. Oh your, no, your, not your, at all. Your, your thunder <laughs> there. Um, but that is fantastic. Have you? Yeah. How did you learn about the Social Institute? Is that something that that like through Atlas, which we want to mention Atlas tonight as well? How, how did you learn about them and get connected with them? Yeah, so um, I first learned about them through um, a colleague of mine, um, Jason Ramson, who's the CIO down at the Ravenscroft School in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And they have partnered with uh, the Social Institute for the last couple of years now. Um, and Jason had actually presented um, at last year's, um, I guess, I got to be careful now. So it's the, this is 2017 Atlas Conference um, about the Social Institute program. And uh, I mean, just sharing what they've done uh, together at Ravenscroft really excited me and brought it right to school and said, hey, this is an organization I think um, we really need to uh, partner with. And, and so we've had some discussions with them over the past uh, year in preparation for how we're going to uh, launch out this year. So um, then we're, we're super excited uh, for, for that program and highly recommend it. I mean, they've worked with uh, you know, college teams, they've worked with Duke University, they've worked with a bunch of schools, um, you know, both on the, the higher ed side and on the K-12 side, and they're growing. And I think they're, one of the benefits of using them is that they're, they're approachable when it comes to working with the kids. And I think that's going to be really important. Um, it's, it's, it's important. The message is always important, but the messenger can be sometimes just as important. If you have the wrong messenger, the message gets lost. Amen. That is right. And I love on their Facebook page and it's just uh, facebook.com slash the social Institute. It says, you know, win or lose. And you've got all kinds of positive strength yeah. and reputation, healthy lifestyle. Um, that's interesting. Cyber back others. I had yes. heard that. That's a cool vocabulary word right there. <laughs> and then lose, you know, ruin your reputation, focus on likes and followers, cyber bully others, because that has definitely been something I've been very, very passionate about. Uh, we set up a website last year, digsit.us, and Ooh. that has resources for parents, some of our presentations, okay. some stuff for teachers. That's kind of where we're sharing videos and, and questions uh, to yeah. try to get some of that going in advisory. But I just I feel it is so important because probably like you, I mean, sometimes you hear more from the outlier parent than you do from, yes. you know, somebody who's sort of more representing maybe mainstream or majority opinion. Right. <clears throat> but we, we definitely have some folks with strong opinions, uh, like no phones at all, no tech at all. I mean, we even got some no video at all. And so one of the things I've realized, even just in the last couple of weeks as a technology director that I, I think I need to do 
is to try to support our teachers and make sure they know, hey, we are 100% behind the instructional use of video in the classroom, and we are behind healthy uses of technology. Part of the, vo the vocabulary is how we, we use our technology devices to create and make and to communicate. Mm -hmm. And that whole, like it goes back to, I don't know if David Warlick back in the day with his, you know, raw materials for the mind and digital literacy books, but like to be a full participant in the 21st century, we need to be utilizing these tools yeah. and learning how to appropriately use them. And so I just think that balanced focus is huge yeah. because what's easy is to just, you know, scare people and talk about the negative. And we right. do need to realize the darkness that's out there and the, yeah. the temptations that we have, whether that's to be on our device too much and not you know, talk when we're on a date or, or you know, at the, at the dinner table. In fact, I had, I sent you a, a message, said to get your email in there at the dinner table today. My daughter's like, dad, your laptop at the <laughs> table. And I'm like, honey, it's just quick. I just gotta, I gotta send him this Google doc link, but yeah, anyway, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's good to have a balanced approach. Are you guys doing a, um, like school-wide digital citizenship team who, how does that happen in terms of, who, who brings in the Social Institute and, and how, is that a headmaster? Yeah, so, so that's been very much a partnership between myself, our marketing communications team, um, also our um, counseling team. Um, and, and so those are the, those three groups, and obviously with our, um, you know, the support of our head and assistant head uh, and our division, uh, division heads. Uh, really a good partnership to just talk about what the benefits are, where, what are the age groups that are most appropriate um, for for meeting with this group, and so we've kind of settled on middle uh, and upper school, uh, but really, you know, really trying to just make sure that we do this in a focused and um, and purposeful manner, and make sure it doesn't come across as though it is a kind of one-off. You know, here's another another assembly on on this type of thing. Right? Exactly. We're building it into our program. We just rolled out a new responsible use policy um, and uh, kudos to the Oak Ridge School and Jason Kern because we uh, took a lot of ideas really from theirs, but shifting from an acceptable use to responsible use. Yeah. And then have done some talks to let folks know, of course, with with Gaggle, you know, we're proactively monitoring, yeah. uh, always reserve that right to be able to, you know, inspect traffic and right. people right. I noticed and had, had all made, you know, made sure all that stuff is, um, uh, you know, updated inside our contracts and, you know, parents and everything. Uh, yeah. Peggy's asked in the chat, what does cyber back mean? I could guess, but uh, do, do, is, that a, is that a phrase that you guys have already been using or you've heard of in the context of the so social institute? I learned that phrase actually from Social Institute, right? Uh, and thought that was just a fantastic, fantastic message uh, that it sends. And pretty much it's the virtually the opposite of cyberbullying, right? Uh, where, you know, where cyberbullying is you have one kid um, you know, speaking badly about another kid or shaming them or whatever they might be doing on, on social media, cyber backing is actually boosting the good things that other kids are doing um, using social media. And, and so really using social media to positively encourage and support um, rather than uh, tear down, which it tends to so commonly be used to do. Uh, so that, that that's something that I think is, is a you know fantastic phrase. And I'm looking forward to our kids being introduced to that phrase and hearing that phrase kind of become common language around around our campus. Absolutely, because vocabulary is a big thing we've talked about. You know, um, gosh, I need to make sure I get the get this right as far as my my citations. But we have been very inspired 
by, let's see if I've got this on our, on our homepage. Oh gosh, I, I should have, I should have looked it up before. Um, there's a, another independent school that has done a lot of work around digital citizenship and we, we reached out to them and anyway, they're, um, they, they have a nice framework that, um, you know, goes from, from primary, all, you know, young, young kids all, all the way up. But, yeah. but that whole idea of vocabulary is just really important because you want, um, the conversations to actually change and, and, you know, these, these kinds of, of topics to, to come up. So Matt Scully yeah. is the person who, Oh, Matt. I love where, Matt. Where is Matt located? You're going to have to help Matt's me out. in North Carolina. He's in he Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. And He's so, at, um, Providence. Yeah. Providence day school. There you go. Okay. So there is his, he's Matt Scully on Twitter and their website is PDS digital citizenship. So yep. early on in our journey, uh, somehow I got connected with him and, um, you know, he, he actually video chatted with us. And so they've got their whole compass and anyway, the work they've done has been really solid. Yeah. And that is also, that's really an uh, influence. I think our work and especially in trying to not have this be a conversation that, that teachers as well as students see is in the technology arena. Like right. if we take a computer class, so that's where we talk about it. Right. Like we're intentionally asking homeroom teachers, you know, in lower school now, here are some questions. We want you to talk about this with your kids because honestly a chapel talk or any kind of, you know, broadcast message, kids are going to hear that, but it really is conversation and trying right. to, uh, get everybody to see just like character education. This isn't something that we just put over here in, in this one little elective class. Right. No, this is about how we treat each other. This is about kindness. This is about representing our school. And it's, it's about how we live our life. Like it's such right. a, you know, technology is this oxygen that we are all breathing now. So I am fired up to have that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And, and one of the things that I'll, I'll also point out too, and you touched on this a little bit earlier is the importance of having parent partnership, right? And I think one of the challenges that uh, that we've had and what we've seen in a bit of a change when it's come to schools and why schools seem to be taking having to take more of a lead in this part, not in just educating the students, but also educating the parents, because I think we find that parents just aren't, they, they feel um, unprepared, they feel um, that they don't have the right tools, they don't have the right vocabulary, they don't have the right knowledge, they don't have the, the information um, to make the right decisions for their family, right? And they're looking to schools to help them, um, to help educate them, quite frankly, on how to handle a lot of this stuff. And so it's not simply, I, I don't think as schools we can simply say we're just here, especially in this particular conversation, that we're not just here for the kids only, we're also here for the for the parents and the families. 100%, so. 100%. We've, we've had a series called uh, Parent University that we've done about a variety of different topics. And in the past, that's focused a little bit more on our, our younger student parents, so mm -hmm. primary and lower school parents, but we're extending that and, and had some events uh, I'm really looking forward to hopefully partnering with students as they present, sharing their story. One of our digital citizenship talks, and I'm excited, our, he has a title, I think, that can change, but he's like our social media coordinator. He's a grad of our school, uh, right. went to uh, Oklahoma State and, uh, you know, is back managing all of, of these social media accounts that we have working for our communications department and director. But he's going to give a, um, a, a chapel talk talking about, you know, the social media and how that's impacted his career and mm -hmm. then a little bit of college too. But I think that um, 
you're absolutely right. The partnership with parents is key. It's not something that we can pass the buck and say, well, that's just stuff you do at home. Right. Uh, I mean, it's such a, there's, there's so many blurred lines today with technology and the ways right. in which it's affecting us everywhere. And so I, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm excited that our school has this as a focus because it's really an enduring challenge. It's not yeah. going to be something, like you said, it's not a one-off. It's not like, oh yeah, we did that, you know, did that in October with digital citizenship. We're done. You know, it's one of these things that can rear its head at any time, yeah. which uh, probably as you've had, we've, we have different incidents that happen and, you know, sometimes you got to, you, you deal with those, but we want to be proactive on an ongoing basis, you know, not just reactive when these things happen. And hopefully, um, empower all constituents to take some really um, proactive uh, steps in their life to not only be healthy, but then to also leverage the power of it, you know, in, in terms of exactly. you're going to a selective school, you're going to a selective program, you know, they're going to Google you. You're, you're going to join a fraternity sorority. sorority. They're going to search, you know, to, right. to find out what they can, they learn about you. So that's right. So. And, you know, I think the current events certainly um, is always an enlightener here. You know, everything that's happening with Brett Paffinon now, and that's with a paper yearbook, right? <laughs> that's being referred to. What's going to happen for our kids 20 years from now when they graduate, 30 years from now when they graduate, and there's all this information that they have put online or their friends have put online um, that's going to be searchable with just a few keystrokes. Absolutely. Well, I do want to get in a couple other articles, but you mentioning iPads and you guys with the one to one, I just can't resist asking the question. Yeah. What words of wisdom would you have for other school leaders, you know, contemplating one to one, thinking about devices, just like what what's some of your wisdom you'd say you've gleaned from from uh, working as an independent school tech director where one to one is a, a daily reality? Yeah. Um, uh, boy, I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is classroom management, uh, which quite frankly has nothing to do with the technology whatsoever. Uh, it, it is it is the type of thing where um, because the iPad gets introduced and because, you know, the technology gets introduced, all of a sudden some of the other things seem to go fall to the wayside, right? Uh, classroom management being one of them, and teachers are not really sure sometimes, what do I do? How do I handle the situation? It's like, it's still the same. You still, if, if you're ready to focus and you want your kids to focus, iPads down, iPads over, laptops closed, whatever it might be, it comes back to really basic, non-technical classroom management. Uh, and I think that's something that we always have to just remind our teachers um, about and, and make sure that they understand they are in control of their classroom. And the iPad or the laptop does not change that. Um, and, and if that becomes a problem, put the technology away. The kids will still be able to learn. Um, they don't need to have it open the entire time that they're in your class. Uh, when it's time to use the technology, you use it. When it's time to put it away, you put it away. Uh, and, and don't, you know, don't forget that and don't succumb to the feeling of the iPad needs to be used all the time, needs to be on all the time, um, because that just gets, gets folks frazzled. Um, so that's always the first thing that pops in my mind is just, you know, remember that Classroom management is still classroom management, regardless of whether there's technology or doing that. This also makes me think of Atlas, and I want to ask you a little bit about that because I know you're a board member. Last year, I've had a chance to go to Atlas twice. It was in Burbank, California, and then I went yeah. to D.C., and there was a great session. I think Vinny Vrotney was in there, and I think – uh, I think it's Pam uh, from Sidwell Friends. Am I going to get that right? Mm. It was a panel. Anyway, I, I, it was a great digital citizenship panel. And they were telling their stories as far as what they were 
we're doing. And uh, there's a still time because I think Vinny just sent an email out to all our ISAS uh, tech directors this week. Yep. I think it's like October 13th or something like that for yep. the, the call for proposals. So let me yep. just toss you the Atlas question. Yeah. How did you get on the board? What is Atlas? Uh, why would people want to know about this conference coming up in uh, Dallas in April? Yeah, so um, Atlas has been an organization I've been um, associated with for, I think, the last three or four years um, now and has been the best professional development for me and best support community for me in my time, um, especially making that transition from the corporate world to now the education world and just trying to um, make sense of what my role is as a technology director, what my role can and should be as a technology director um, in an independent school. And just having a community of people who are there to help each other, support each other, uh, learn from each other. Um, no one, you know, there's 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 very little one-upsmanship when it comes to the work we do. We're all about sharing and doing the best job we possibly can for our schools and for our students and for our families. Um, so I, it's an organization I absolutely love um, and um, have loved being associated with it uh, for these past several years. And the opportunity. Uh, which they normally have every year, uh, you know, a call for um, board members and the opportunity was presented to uh, interview for that position. And um, I, I guess things were good that day because <laughs> they invited me to be a part of it. And, and so I'm, I'm truly humbled and honored uh, to serve on the board uh, for the next several years and just looking forward to how I can continue to help uh, grow the organization um, and, and kind of set the uh, set the, the, the message and the trajectory for growth for the future and growing um, the members and, and supporting the members of the organization and really trying to make a difference. Um, and, and I'm really excited about uh, what that's going to be like and working with some great people who are, are on the board um, and, 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 you know, just, just doing some really incredible uh, work that I think our schools can all benefit from. Awesome. Jenny Swanson Voorhees, that is who. Richard Griffith, ah. Angela Smith, they were all there. And that was, okay, and it was a Sidwell Friends. I think Vinny was in the was in the audience. So I will drop a link in the chat and in the show notes to the notes from that session. And yeah, sometimes, uh, I mean, professional networking is so key and it is great to have digital access to connect with folks, yep. but there's also just a lot of power in coming together and oh. you know, being able to learn yeah. together and then deepen you know, uh, a relationship and, and then just, you know, sometimes for those kind of things, it can be one small thing, but yeah. you know that you take that back and it transforms what you're doing or, you know, allows you to go in the right. direction. So, and, and, and there's just something special about that conference that, um, you, know, you walk away from it, knowing you've grown, knowing that you've learned, having a list of things that you want to go back to your school and, and tackle and improve. And, 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 um, again, the best professional development for me. Um, bar none. All right. So shout out to Atlas. We'll include a, a link to Atlas's website and the conference as well as the the Twitter handle. So to oh. to, to to take this a couple more directions, um, there's a, let's let's talk a little bit about net neutrality. Um, there was yeah. a very interesting editorial in Bloomberg Technology on October first called "This European Ruling Could Break the Internet," and this was a reference to this um, right to be forgotten and. You know, we've talked about this on the show. We we're kind of risking a fractured internet at this point with some of these laws. We had the GDPR that that went live, I guess, what at the end of May, mm -hmm. and we've got you know different countries trying to 
perhaps legislate and, and demand, hey, data has to be saved here and it can't be overseas. Or, you know, in this case, if there's this right to be forgotten, I mean, or, or you know, and then there's been other discussions about what, uh, like even copyright, I don't think I have this article in there, but it's not law, but it's, uh, you know, again, coming from Europe and courts talking about memes. And I mean, we had kids at school that were, hey, memes are going to be dead. And <laughs> we're talking about, you know, not having fair use and that your platformers were going to basically have to censor in the same way YouTube has a an engine for identifying copyrighted music. And right. then they can flag it and you can have a what is it called? A strike against your account and have to defend anyway that we could be moving into a world where that that all happens. So do you have right. any thoughts about that as far as net neutrality and what we're seeing, you know, legislatively uh, with with Europe and these kinds of discussions? Yeah, about so, I mean, I think we've all kind of sensed that Europe has tended to be a leader when it comes to some of these regulations and laws that um, get put out there. And then it's a question, I, I think, especially for us in, in the U.S., it's a question more of if, sorry, when rather than if the U.S. will eventually implement something similar to GDPR and whether it is uh, driven by the government or it is driven by uh, state laws, um, I think we'll be seeing some of that sooner rather than later. And I know certainly a lot of schools in the U.S. that have international students from, um, from the European Union have had to kind of take on uh, some of these uh, GDPR uh, restrictions when it comes to the data that they have. Uh, so it's it's something that I think all schools need to consider um, whether or not you currently fall into the um, the the realm of GDPR. Uh, you start certainly for me at Gilman and, and others that I know of are starting to think with GDPR in mind uh, and act accordingly because you again just feel it's more a question of when rather than if. Uh, and and I think it's going to be important for. Uh, all schools just to be very careful with their data. It's something that I, 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 I take uh, very, very seriously. Um, and I think all schools should. We collect a lot of information. And we need to be careful how we're using that information. We need to be careful um, with the various third-party tools that we provide that information to. Uh, we get very excited about providing lots of things for our kids. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're giving away information about students <laughs> and yeah. we don't know how soon or uh, how, how that information is then being taken and used without our knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that yeah. also goes to our own personal information. I had a weird phone call because I'm kind of like most people getting more calls on my cell phone. Yep. I don't know how they're getting my number. And this one was saying that this was a, a bill with a local from a local college. My daughter had taken um, a concurrent class. In fact, we got to check it out tonight. I was like, I texted her and said, hey, can you log in and see if we owe anything? But this person would not um, tell me anything about it until I'd given them the last four of my social or my address. Wow. I was like, what, I mean, what department is this? Can I call uh, the, you know, that office? Well, we can't tell you until, unless you give us this information. I'm like, I'm not giving you as a stranger, you know, personal information. And so I've been thinking more about, because people will say kids don't care about privacy. Actually, they do. And uh, I think Snapchat and the, you know, ephemeral social media platforms are a bit of a response to that. But like without going into a witness protection program, how do we do a do over with like, because our phone number is such an identifier now. Oh, yeah. and it was never designed to be that way. So, I mean, I think there's multiple layers to this as far as us thinking about what we disclose and what we share. 
Mm-hmm. Also on a digital citizenship side, like what room is there for advocacy? You know, if, if we, we've got kids involved in different kinds of um, nonprofits and helping, but like think about social justice, think about privacy. I mean, me too. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of movements that, you know, we uh, can be passionate about and we can advocate for. Um, you know, where does, where does targeted advertising become not just creepy, but really something that I'm like, no, I don't yeah. want you to do that. And I, I mean, I think those kinds of things are, are just so important to dig into. Yeah. And it's not just a cognitive thing like, oh, okay, yeah, I agree with that. I disagree. But it's like, no, are you going to write your representative? Are you going to try to, you know, educate our legislators because they're making decisions about this? Right. Right. And I think that's a place where, um, certainly what we were talking about, about before when it comes to um, not cyber backing, but just the general message of taking uh, taking action and doing good. That's something that we can teach our kids uh, and, and really, as you said, being um, being advocates for things that are important to them uh, and, and taking the next step, not just complaining about it, but actually doing something about it, writing your you know, local uh, and state and federal lawmakers. Um, and, and really pushing and educating yourselves on these things so that you can speak intelligently to it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be something important for our kids. And let's face it, there's a lot of things when it comes to this type of stuff that our kids understand better than we do. <laughs> right. And so they are the ones who I think can really take the lead on this, uh, and, and, and really drive the, the, the message forward and also educate themselves to the point so that after they graduate from our schools, they can continue to take action, whether it's through their job or their work or whatever it might be to, to move things forward. So absolutely, uh, it's, absolutely. It, it's going to be, it's very important. Yeah. yeah. One other article I put under that heading on the, on the show notes is from Ars Technica on October 1st. Uh, Trump administration claims California net neutrality law causes irreparable harm to the U S um, Jason had mentioned a number of weeks ago that Montana was trying to pass a state law that would essentially enforce net neutrality. Mm-hmm. This is California trying to do that. And this is a this is fascinating. In this article, I think they mentioned how on the one hand, you know, the FCC has kind of said, hey, we can't, you know, um, you know, legislate about this. This is I mean, here, here's the quote, a uh, little, little uh, legal speak here. Because its regulatory approach directly conflicts with the FCC's uh, bill, inflicts irreparable harm on both the United States as well as the public interest more generally, this is the Department of Justice's view. Um, As this court recently noted, the United States suffers injury when its valid laws in a domain of federal authority are undermined by impermissible uh, uses. Okay, so that's what the government's saying. Under the heading DOD argument fatally flawed, uh, they say the legal argument is fatally flawed. The FCC claims it has no authority to regulate broadband internet access. uh, courts have consistently held that when the federal government lacks authority to regulate, it cannot preempt the states from regulating. So, like, here's a great social studies, like, yes. uh, separation of powers, you know, yep. 10th Amendment kind of thing. Because, like, all the powers not explicitly given to the government of the Constitution are supposed to be reserved, you know, by the states. And so this yeah. is fascinating because we have a very antagonistic, um, you know, FCC right now, an FCC chair. Mm-hmm. And this is... It's one of these things that's pretty technical and not everybody is going to just feel comfortable saying, yeah, let me tell you about net neutrality and what I think about it. Right. But it really has a big impact on all of us in terms of, of what we pay and what companies can do and, and all yeah. that. So any, yeah. any thoughts here on these topics? Yeah, I think it's important, right? I think there's, if there's a lack of a general lack of understanding of what net neutrality actually is, right? I think there was a lot of talk about it when the law was uh, changed. I guess 
maybe about a year or so ago, um, when when it was uh, the net neutrality was done away with. And I think certainly the message I got was, well, now, you know, my internet company can control the type of information that I see depending on who's paying, paying them more money, right? Uh, and, and I'm sure there's a lot deeper explanations into what that does and what that means for us. Uh, but I think it's going to be really important for uh, us to have a good understanding about that, have a good conversation about what that means, um, talk about it with our kids, have them do some research. Like you said, that's a great social studies product, a great research product uh, project to just see how something that the federal government implements through one of its agencies is now being challenged by a state government and and what you know how, where they meet in the middle if they meet in the middle um that's it, it's fantastic and i and, and it's truly it actually affects them right it's not something theoretical anyway it definitely affects their their everyday life well in our last election we had uh, medical marijuana approved here in oklahoma and of course colorado's probably our closest state mm -hmm. to have that that's a super interesting thing where you know federal law has some prohibitions and state law has approved so again you got this like what can states do what can federal do right. Um, we've got like a, what is it over 37 federally recognized nations in our state, um, Native American nations. Um, oh. And so when we talk about sovereignty and what, you know, what an Indian nation can do, uh, currency, like one of the things the federal government's supposed to only be able to do is create currency. And I've, I've, you know, we've got all these casinos and stuff like that. And so it makes you think about these things, cryptocurrency. Yeah. Anybody who wants to, I guess, can do a public offering. You know, if you're good with encryption, you know, put out, you know, put out your own currency. So it's really a wild west and technology is intersecting in these conversations in some yeah. significant ways. Yeah, definitely. Anybody listening is having their, you know, their students look into that or doing those kind of projects. What a fantastic collaborative that would be, right? To have oh, yeah. students in a couple areas. Hey, let's talk about net neutrality and, and state, you know, power, you know, versus federal power and right. getting kids to be more, more aware. Cause I'm a hundred percent with you that like our kids are going to graduate and they're, you know, many of them are going to be movers and shakers in, in yep. uh, society, community, state, nation, world. And we want them to be, uh, attuned to these things and then hopefully, you know, strong voices and educated voices. Cause I think that's one of the fears we have about our legislators, whenever they're going to, you know, do something is yeah. like, wait, don't break the internet. Don't, <laughs> don't do something really stupid. That, you know, right. Harms right. And imagine, uh, you know, even having students from other States collaborate with students in California on that project. Right. Yes. Uh, really getting some good perspective there from, from, those angles. So yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. Okay. Let me throw out one more topic and then I think we'll have to do geeks of the week and kind of wrap it up because we're getting close yeah. to the top of the hour under the heading of Facebook. We had a pretty big breach that just got announced. So this yep. is New York times on September 28th, Facebook security breach exposes accounts of 50 million users and then wired on the same date, um, had the Facebook security meltdown exposes way more sites than Facebook. And so this is talking about, you know, third party access and my wife, I think just, I don't know if it, was, it wasn't a result of this, but with all the news of Facebook the other night, um, I think we were waiting for our daughter to finish volleyball practice. Actually, she's like, Hey, can you help me look at my Facebook privacy settings? And so we were going through and, you know, what have you authorized, especially with, with other yeah. kinds of sites. And so I don't know, I think sometimes articles like this are now becoming so normalized that people just kind of roll their eyes. They've heard a yeah. lot. Oh yeah. Another hack. But uh, our, we, we are doing two-step verification for our Google accounts yep. at, at school. That's 
one of the more significant security things that we've done that's affected everybody in a real visible way. Right. Um, any thoughts about this? Have, have you, some people have turned off social media. So have, have you, you know, decided to turn off your Facebook with all this? Uh, yes, in fact, I haven't had Facebook in several years. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had dabbled in it many years ago, stepped away, dabbled back into it. Um, um, when I was at my previous school just to help, um, grow that initiative, initiative a little bit more there and then, um, got rid of my account again. So I haven't had it in maybe about three years, um, now and, and certainly, uh, feel a little bit better about the fact that I haven't had, um, that account considering everything that it has had to deal with over the last couple of years. Um, but it, it is the type of thing that's kind of scary, right? I mean, you see so many different sites that say, well, you can create an account or you can log in with your Facebook account, right? And uh, one of the articles that I read um, just earlier this evening talking about this just said how the, a lot of those organizations that allow you to log in with your Facebook account aren't putting the necessary data and security protections in place because they've just kind of, you know, it's almost like, well, you're logging in through Facebook, so I don't have to worry about protecting um, the house. And, and that's just, that's just really bad. Right. And so it's the, for, I think a reminder for a lot of people, although most people I don't think will take advantage of it is to just make sure you know what you're doing and what you're logging into and what you're giving access to, because I don't think most folks realize what they're doing. And this also comes down to who you trust. You know, I think I have, have just a number of months or even a year years ago, just the stopped, logging in with Facebook. I just don't do that. I, I create an account with my email with Google, you know, we're using single sign on for some, mm -hmm. some different products. And yeah. I, I, I just trust Google more than I do Facebook. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think it's warranted, you know, I think we yeah. haven't, we haven't had a Cambridge Analytica, you know, um, crisis, you know, with, with Google and certainly the companies are, we are the product, right. To a large mm -hmm. extent, they're monetizing our data, but it makes a difference how careful they are and also how untransparent and forthright they are about what they're yeah. doing with it. And do we have, you know, control and, and visibility to what they're doing? So I'm not by any means saying it's a perfect world, but I, on a personal level, do not log in with Facebook. And I think if, if, if anything, this breach would, would suggest that people should think twice and, and maybe even deactivate because that's the thing. Sometimes we'll activate different services and you've got to go in there and look. And sometimes like, Oh my gosh, look at that. And that's what it was with my wife. All right. some different things that she'd activate. It's like, I'm not using that. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe you've opened a door for somebody that, right. you know, you didn't mean to leave that key outside. Right. And I think that's going to be really important for software companies like, um, like Google and like Facebook to say, okay, if you're allowing other companies, or other products to, to use your login, whether it's your Facebook login or your Google login, there should be some type of every 30 days or every 60 days forced review of the apps that you've allowed to access your account just so you can go through it and say, oh, okay, yeah, this I recognize, I did it, I'm still using it, I'll leave it as is, or oh, I'm not using that anymore, I did it one time just because I wanted to sign up for a contest. And, you know, now I don't need it anymore. Let me get rid of it. But, um, I mean, most of the time, those things are out of sight, out of mind, right? The, the security settings are buried so deep, you're not going to come across it. You're not even going to remember that you did it. And I think they use that to their advantage. And that's, that's, that's something that desperately needs. 
on, on a positive note, and uh, I know we're at the top of the hour, so we won't pr- prolong this too much, but there was a great Wired article on September 24th. The new YubiKey will help kill the password. <clears throat> and I've been reading about how, you know, with two-step verification, the phone is really not super secure because yeah. folks can call the provider, if you're AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, whatever, and it's possible for them to... Um, you know, port your SIM and convince them that they're you. That's why like not giving out personal information is so key because if they got your number, they know who your provider is. And then they know a few of those security questions, you know, perhaps they can deceive the, the, um, you know, person on the end of the phone who's, who's yeah. letting the card go. So I heard that Google a, a while back had completely transitioned to a physical key security yep. and had not been having issues. And so this new YubiKey, um, it's an, it's a, a physical access token and it's, uh, using FIDO2, a new version of an open source standard, uh, facilitating secure authentication. And, you know, this is exciting because it is an open standard. It's not just, this is Microsoft or this is Apple or whatever. Right. Um, so are, are you doing a physical security key and any, any thoughts? You know, um, my, my network and systems administrator just showed me his YubiKey that he just got a couple of days ago, okay. uh, just earlier this week. So uh, nice. he had been waiting and, and wanting to try and get the, the Google security um, security key fob. Um, but I think they were several months away from being able to, to get one. And so he went with the YubiKey um, instead. And so we just had a, a brief conversation about it. And he showed me how it works and talked about, you know, they're supposed to have some ability to have near field communication. Um, with the with the fob as well, which I think is pretty neat. So I'm curious to see what it's gonna you know what it's gonna look like, how it's gonna operate, how prevalent it will be. Um, but I we're getting towards that stage, right? I think we're um, having something like that is going to be really uh, important. And quite frankly, I think it'll become the norm in in a few years. It's just what format is that going to look like? What form is it going to take? And then how do biometrics play into that, right? So as far yeah. as face ID and all that, I mean, we were talking about this actually at lunch today with several different people, but we're on this trajectory. There's a lot of reasons why, you know, we need secure authentication. Yeah. And, uh, you know, evidently facial ID is quite a thing in terms oh, of, yeah. uh, you know, you're living that, right? You're unlocking your phone with. with That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, freaks me out a little bit, but, <laughs> but it's work. convenient, right? And that's what everything's about these days. It's about. About that convenience. That's right. Okay, well, let's do Geeks of the Week, and then we'll kind of get out of here and tell people where they can connect with us. I saw your thunder a little bit talking about the iOS 12 screen time controls. Uh, other thoughts that uh, you've got as far as that being your Geek of the Week? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the key thing for me with that is, is for my personal use, just realizing how much time I spend on my phone and what I spend that time doing. Um, I have uh, part of the reason why I initially um, installed the Moment app, um, you know, about a year ago, uh, and and have now with iOS 12 switched to the, the built-in functionality there, um, is that I I value my time, right? And I think we all, in many ways, value our time, and we want to make sure that we're using our time wisely and efficiently. And um, when we think about, gosh, there's just so many hours in the day. A lot of work to be done, a lot of things we want to do. I have books that I want to read. I have things I want to learn um, and and just always feel at the end of the day, gosh, I just didn't have enough time. And then you look on something like this and you see how much time you had and what you used it for. <laughs> right. uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, a good reminder and, and kind of wake up call to say, okay, I can use my time better. And so 
Uh, for me, being able to use it and just really track my time, make improvements, challenge myself to be better. Um, and, and in challenging myself to be better, I gain some of that time back that I can then use for more purposeful uh, things. So it's a good, I, I, I love it. I love the fact that they've included it. I know there's some uh, parental control stuff that I haven't even touched on yet um, in, to, to explore some more. But being able to even use that with the kids, I think is going to be great. I have a nine-year-old daughter and a three-year-old daughter uh, who love using an iPad and, and, and love doing all kinds of stuff with it and finding ways to um, to, to better control their uh, technology usage, especially in the summer. I know you mentioned earlier, you know, summertime, <laughs> that iPad can be your friend as a parent, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, it can hurt as well uh, with, with the kids just trying to just trying to, uh, to to do better with that. And I'm happy that Apple is taking a stand uh, with, with that and, and really helping parents uh, better manage this tool that, you know, has its benefits, and but certainly also has its drawbacks. Absolutely. My uh, Geek of the Week, I, I went ahead and dropped in for you, by the way, the, uh, and I'll put this in the show notes, the Moment Screen Time Tracker app and the Social Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've dropped in Matt Scully and PDS Digital Citizenship and our Digit website and those Atlas notes. But the main one that I wanted was uh, called Trolling Attacks on Scholars, Faculty Action. And this is tips from uh, the University of Illinois. This was shared on Twitter by uh, Dr. K. Kirkpatrick, who is K, I don't know why this number, K314159. It's kind of a weird Twitter <laughs> handle. Um, but anyway, this is definitely a sign of the times. Her tweet was that my university has recently put out resources for scholars targeted by trolling attacks, screenshot from the postcard, and then she's got the link to the actual, um, you know, suggested re- uh, resources if you're the target of a trolling attack. It is something important to remember and in the conversations about social media, as we post on social media, our kids do. I mean, any of us are, you know, one one uh, click away from a, a viral kind of thing that could, you know, could blow up. And, and those yeah. kind of things do happen. Um, we want to be really thoughtful about what we post. I think we want to be very careful uh, when we're going to post publicly about very contentious things. Um, so uh, there was actually, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the name, even share the link, because it was it's it's a close to home thing. But uh, and I can share it with you. I'll share the link with you privately. But there was an incident that just happened in the last week that regarded um, uh, someone as an employee of an independent school uh, who used Twitter, and and then he he was resigning, um, you know, the next day, and that was an adult. Okay, that's not a not a kid. Yes. So anyway, this is a sign of the times. Um, I think it's very good for this for the University of Illinois to be proactive in this way, um, and you know this. You know, we don't again want to just focus on digital citizenship on all the darkness and all the bad, but we do need to be realistic and reasonable. Um, and unfortunately, trolling is a is a part of the landscape. Um, yeah. And then, and depending upon what kinds of conversations we insert ourselves with, you know, we can, we can end up on a Reddit, Reddit thread and, and, and things can, you know, go, go up quickly. Um, oh yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> right. Right. Very, very quickly. We want it to be a cyber back, not a, not a cyber. That's bundle. right. <laughs> Those things unfortunately tend to not go viral quite, quite as much, but yeah. all right, well, let's wrap up. Where can people find you online? And uh, I know you're on Twitter, anywhere else that you share. Twitter and LinkedIn are my, are my main resources. Um, those are the two places where, I mean, Twitter for me is, is quite frankly, my, my professional, uh, my professional resource and professional network. So that, that's where I, I 
through a lot of my communication and a lot of my reading and a lot of my learning and sharing. So awesome. uh, Twitter is there. Uh, Facebook is there. Same. Not, not Facebook. Sorry. LinkedIn. LinkedIn, right. With the same um, name, Ty uh, Candace. You could find me on there. Um, but, you know, certainly you can always go on uh, Gilman's website if anybody needs me for anything. And, and uh, just looking forward to seeing as many people as possible at uh, the Atlas Conference this year in Texas. Absolutely. Well, I'm W. Fryer on Twitter, periodically posting on my Speed of Creativity blog, uh, updating a little bit on our digital citizenship website. In fact, we just had our, our middle division director yesterday share some resources. And so we put a, a couple new articles about uh, screen time and then also some positive positive uses of social media and ways kids can use positive on the um, resources page. I think we put that on the parent resource page um, because that was directed at, at them. So, you know, a couple, couple more things to pass along. So this has been the EdTech Situation Room. Uh, please check us out at edtechsr.com. All of our links are available there, the show notes, uh, things we did not get to talk about, as well as the articles that we did. And I want to thank Ty so much for joining tonight. It's been a great conversation, and I'm going to look forward to hopefully seeing you in Dallas coming up in April. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Yes.